Talk. It's Thursday, August 17th. We welcome you to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit calgarylockandsafe.com slash doors. Steinberg Vickers along with you. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Hello, Vix. Patrick, what's going on this fine Thursday, August oh, 17th? Oh, you know, it's hanging out. Just that, hey? Trying to, trying to make some, uh, trying to make some podcast and radio magic. Oh, we've got some magic today, buddy. Talking flames in August. I do have a, uh, I do, I do have some magical news later this hour. Brent Cron will join us in studio in the Doug Lacey's basement. The magic man himself. Yes, the magic man, Brent Cron. Um, I want to talk. There's something I wanted to talk about earlier this week, you and I, on Tuesday. We got into it a little bit when Tori Peterson was uh, in studio on Tuesday, but I wanted to dive a little deeper. Text line open if you want to jump in on this one as well at 960-960. But I'm really fascinated about one player in particular. I mean, lots of players, but for this, for the case of this conversation, one player in particular coming into this season and coming into training camp, and that is the most recent first-round pick, of the Calgary Flames, Sam Honzek, who they uh, who they selected 16th overall from the Vancouver Giants uh, at the draft in June. Because I'm really fascinated about the player. I'm really fascinated about the long term for the player. But I'm also really excited, intrigued about the immediate future for Sam Honzek with the Calgary Flames. Because I know that He's expected to be the captain of the Vancouver Giants this year. He's expected to go back in his 19-year-old season and dominate the Western League on a very good Giants team. But I also wonder what type of impact this player might be able to make in training camp, starting in Penticton at the Young Stars Classic and going forward from there. Could this be a guy that makes some noise in training camp? And could this be a guy that maybe is able to push for some playing time in the NHL to start the year. And the only reason, there are two reasons why I asked that question. Because typically, 16th overall pick, first year coming out of his draft class, like, yeah, well, I mean, you don't want to rush the guy. You don't want to put too many expectations on him. He's probably going to go back to Team A or Team B, team B in junior or wherever. But because this is one of the deepest drafts in decades, and he's a top 20 pick in one of the deepest drafts that we've seen in a long, long time. And because physically he's very advanced for his age, I just say, why not? Why couldn't he be a guy that makes an impact and makes Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska have some tough decisions come training camp? That's, that's kind of more my feel. Why not? Why couldn't that be part of the conversation? Why would we be writing that off with uh and, and, and why would we already be dictating his fate knowing the type of prospect we're talking about here? Well, let's add another two things to that mm-hmm. sort of conversation. One, Daryl Sutter Please isn't do. your coach anymore. 
So you know kids are going to get a bit, bit better chance than they did may, maybe last year or the year before. And Craig Conroy came out and said that the kids are going to get a chance. They, they're not going to be gifted a spot, but if there's an opportunity for them and they seize it, then they're going to get it where we haven't necessarily seen that over the course of the past couple of years. Now, there are exceptions to that, Oliver Shillington being one of them. When he uh, came in and he was a mainstay, I mean, he was a little bit older. We're not talking about a teenager at that point, but he was still on the bubble at that stage. But you're right. Physically, he's got the size of 6'4", 194 pounds. He's proven to be a quick study. His rookie season in the Western Hockey League, I believe he was rookie of the year. He had 56 points in 43 games for Vancouver. There are a lot of elements. I even looked to him at development camp and how quickly he's taking to some of the advice given to him both there, whether it be the on-ice coaches, or remember when Jerome McGinley had said to him, hey, why don't you try this with your shot? That was, your, And we talked to him very yeah. shortly after that, and he's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And like he's a very eager kid to learn. So there's no doubt in my mind that there are going to be plenty of eyes on him to seeing how he responds to his first pro camp. But I'm going to steal something that Tori Peterson said on Tuesday. And first of all, you've got to do it in Penticton and rookie camp. Because if you don't get off to the right foot there, and if you're not one of the three best players in that camp, then you're not necessarily setting yourself up for main camp when you start to play against NHL regulars, when right. you start to practice with guys that have played in the league for 10 years. And yes, he does have the size, but he's not necessarily used to playing against guys that are his size, but more filled out and physically stronger. They have that man strength. He's playing against 16 to 20-year-olds in the Western Hockey League right now. It's a lot easier to shield the puck away from a, a defender or a four checker that's on the back track. You've got to do it against guys that have had that man strength for a decade and know the ins and outs and tricks. So don't get me wrong. I'm super curious to see how he responds in rookie camp and training camp, but I'm not necessarily ready to look at him and go, this guy is going to be a legit 82 game NHLer. We've seen it here in Calgary before. Sean Monahan and Matthew Kachuk immediately come to mind. And at that point, both of those guys were six overall picks. It wasn't necessarily a situation where they were penned in as top 10 picks to be in the Calgary Flames lineup. And they used that time between development camp and main camp to get physically ready. And they kind of forced their way on the team. And I think it was even with Matthew Kachuk. Okay, he made the opening night lineup, but let's see if he can get beyond that, that nine game audition, get to the 10th game and kick in the first year of his contract. Well, he did that. So I'm more curious if Hanzig can parlay a good rookie camp and good main camp and see if he can get some games to really test. And to be perfectly honest, a game in October in the regular season versus a game in February or March in the regular season are two different types of games. Yep. But you can't do one without the other. So to me, it's a series of steps. It's almost a process of elimination where you got to be able to put rookie camp behind you, put main camp behind you, get those audition games behind you, and then see where you are. If he even gets to the audition game, which... If he does, that's a feather in his cap already. If he does, that's a win. That's an automatic win. Yeah, that's a win for the team. That's a and, win for him. And if he doesn't, he goes back to Vancouver, and he's a guy that's going to play 23 minutes a night as a forward. And as you mentioned, likely the captain, uh, the current captain, Ty Thorpe, has graduated to the pro ranks. He's 21 now. So there's a great opportunity for him, even if he doesn't make the NHL, to return to the Western Hockey League, be a leader on his team, play tons of minutes, be very productive, play at the World Juniors, so on and so forth. And then next season, because of his age, he's eligible to turn pro already then as well, whether it be the AHL or the NHL. So there's a lot of intriguing elements to Hanzik, even that go beyond rookie camp, main camp, nine games, 10 games, and beyond. So I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. So the last time the Flames had a guy play the 10 games at a junior 
kind of as a you know as as a newly drafted player was Kachuk. Yep. Before that, it would have been Bennett. Right. But Bennett sustained the shoulder injury yeah. and lied about it. Which, well, did he lie about it or did he not know about it or no, both? No, because that was the whole okay, pull you know up thing that's, at the combine. That's mean. He didn't lie about it. He just didn't disclose it. Right. Like he knew there was something up. I remember Bob Hartley was pissed. He's like, you should have told us this. Could have made it worse. Could have done it. in Well, could have got the surgery done after the draft. He yeah. saved half a season of his development. But it's it's kind of one of those things where, like, you respect it at the same time because you're like, dude was willing to play through, like, a very painful shoulder injury because he wanted to play oh, in the NHL like that bad. He had, like, points in junior, and some of that time was spent with the injury. Well, then he had the surgery, came back. He was, like, two points a game uh, when he returned to Kingston. Kingston. Uh, anyway, Bennett would have in 2014, but didn't. Uh, and prior to that, the year before, Monahan did. So right. Monahan and Kachuk are the last two guys that were drafted and then right away played NHL games. And both guys, it was in question when they suited up for game one of the season if they were going to be able to play more than the nine NHL games that, that would um, count to start your contract rolling. And Monahan was so good, he was scoring. You're like, yeah, this one's easy. Uh, Didn't he have four and nine games or something sounds, like that? That to sounds start, about right. Start off, yeah. Score, I, he scored in the second game of the season, if I remember correctly. Uh, they, I don't think he scored. He might have had an assist in game one where they lost in a shootout to Washington. The next day they were in Columbus, and he scored his first goal of, of his NHL career that year. If my memory is correct, it might not be. But in one of his first two games, right. he scored his first goal. And yeah, you're right. He was very good and, and it was like no brainer. And then it turned into, well, is he going to go to the world juniors? Nope. Because too valuable, NHL, too valuable on the team. NHL experience was more important and he never looked back and Kachuk, same thing. Um, when Kachuk, I, I had a pretty good feeling about Kachuk cause I remember he did an interview. Uh, I believe it was when Andrew Walker was in, in, in Toronto still. And he did an interview with walks, and Walks asked him about playing in the NHL, and Kachuk said, "No, I'm going to play in the NHL this year. I, I, that's just where I believe I'm going to be. I'm going to, I'll be. I'm just excited to help the Calgary Flames win hockey games this year. Like there was no question in Matthew's mind that he was playing as an 18 yeah. year old. And I remember listening to that interview and coming away. We already knew Matthew was a very confident guy. I remember sitting with him on the draft floor in Buffalo. I'm like, this guy is. A, well, he had the pedigree. This, this guy knows he's a good player. Like there's no question about how good Matthew knows he is." And, and I'm, not, I'm not even saying that in a bad way. He is a very cocky in a good way. You need that type of swagger to be a good NHLer. And it's one of the things that is central to Matthew Kachuk. Anyway, I just remember him coming to Penticton. And within 10 seconds of his Penticton debut in a Flames uniform, he had elbowed. Is that Lemieux? Brendan Lemieux <laughs> and jumped him because they had a rivalry dating back to their OHL days. They hate Wasn't one the backstory like Lemieux said he was going to sucker punch him in the tournament or something like that? So Kachuk was went ahead. There was some sort of... And he suckered him with an elbow yep. and then jumped him and was... I was like, this is a September game in Penticton, British Columbia, a prospects game, and Matthew Kachuk is playing like it's the Memorial Cup final oh, again. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay... This guy is dialed, and I was pretty sure from that point forward that he was going to be ready, and then great in the preseason, and then he was really good through the first uh, first seven, eight games of his NHL career, and again, there was no question. So it's been that long since the Flames have had a guy that was drafted, came to camp, and played NHL games right away, and I, I don't expect it from Hanzik, but for the first time, I don't write it off either. And I think it's mainly because of how deep this draft is supposed to be. 
Yeah, that's a fair point. You don't expect it. I want to reiterate what you said there, because I think that's kind of where I am. You don't expect it, but you're curious to see what he can do. And I don't think he should be coming. I mean, he should be coming into camp with the goal of making the team. He should be. But I don't think he should be heartbroken if that's not the uh, way camp unfolds, because that's a tall tale, tall task, pardon me, to ask of an 18 year old that was a junior player four months ago. But you're right. I am very curious. And this is going to be a lineup that's going to feature more youth than we've seen in the past couple of years. And I've kind of penned out a little bit of a lineup as to where I think some of those new guys are going to fit. And just the way that I'm looking at it, he's going to have to steal potentially another young player's job. I don't think he's going to steal Blake Coleman's job. I don't think he's going to steal Andrew Mangiapane's job. But if you're looking at some of the younger players, I'm going to lump Walker Dewar in there. I don't necessarily consider him a younger player, but he's going to be one of the new additions from the Calgary Wranglers promoted up to the Flames on a full-time basis. He's got a out-duel Walker Dewar, Jacob Pelche, Matt Coronado, and to a degree, depending on how you want to roll your lineup, Adam Ruzicka. But then in that sense... How many of those guys do you have penned in in top six positions? And is it more even top nine positions? Because I don't think Sam Honzik makes this team as a fourth liner. I don't no, think that's no, what you want. For sure. So when you start looking at the potential roster construction, it's going to be really interesting. A, how the Calgary Flames coaching staff has it sort of in pencil right now. And then B, who he can overtake on that depth chart to steal a top nine position. Because yep. it's kind of a top nine or bust for me. I, uh, I'm curious about it. And maybe... It, I'll say this much. I really don't think by talking about it, we're setting him up for failure. No. Because I, I don't think that if, if Hansek goes, if, if Hansek is, um, you know, plays three preseason games and then goes back to Vancouver in the Western League, that's not a problem. That's, that's no, go wrong. score 100 points and be a captain. Yeah, exactly. Go, go, go and make yourself better. Go, go play Slovakia at the World Juniors. Exactly, exactly. But if it goes, I, I just for the first time in a long time, have that written down as one of my training camp storylines. I didn't have that written down for Matt Coronado, obviously, because he was going back to college. I didn't right. have it written down for Jacob Pelche. Connor Zari. Connor Zari. I, I, remember, I remember sitting down with Todd Button when we were in Vancouver for the 2019 draft, talking about Pelche, and he said, you know, we don't see Pelche... As, uh, as, as you know, he's, he's going to, I don't want to say, he didn't say project, but he's like, we, we see him as a little bit of a longer term type thing for when he's ready for the NHL. So I didn't expect Pelche to be making the team in 2019 and wasn't writing down, oh, is Pelche going to get his 10 NHL regular season games? And even Valamaki, I, I wasn't thinking to myself, and he made a good push yes. in his first camp, but went back to Tri-City. But this one, I just I, I wonder a little bit about it. This one, I'm curious to see if if he can make that push. And and part of that is also because Craig Conroy in his introductory news conference was very adamant that he wants this team to be younger, very adamant that he wants to have more opportunity for young players to crack the roster and get opportunities. So, you know, maybe it's not Hanzek. And somebody asked on our Wednesday mailbag when Wes and I were up at Canyon Meadows uh, on Wednesday. Somebody asked about, everybody talks about this team's getting younger. Who's going to be on the team? Like, they got nobody that's young that's going to make the squad or going to push for a, a spot. And my answer was, well, there's the Hanzek conversation. We know Pelche is going to push for NHL work this year. 
And Matt Coronado has a really good opportunity of cracking the roster this year. In fact, I think it would be a little bit of a surprise now if Matt Coronado's not on the opening day roster in the opening night lineup for the Calgary Flames on October 11th. So whether Hanzek's a guy that makes it or not, whether this conversation ends up being superfluous or not, I do think we're talking about a younger-looking, specifically younger-looking forward group when the puck drops to start the regular season. And even to a certain degree, I'd lump in uh, Adam Rizichka into that conversation. He's not a prospect. He's not a guy that's been percolating in the minors. He's not a guy that's on the cusp. Like, he spent the year on the roster, but he's still only 24, and he only played how many games? He was a healthy scratch for half the season. Showed well at times. Didn't show quite as well at other times in different roles and different opportunities. But you could conceivably go from a fourth line last season. I'm just going to do some on-the-fly math. It's not going to be correct. I don't have a calculator in front of me. But the average age of the fourth line last year was, what, 34, 33? Talking about Trevor Lewis, Milan Lucic, and Brett Ritchie for the, for the most part. <laughs> yeah, it would have been like in the 33 range. So what does it look like if hypothetically, and you can text in your lines at 960-960 if you want, but the way I've got it structured right now is what would a fourth line of Pelche, Rizichka, Dewar look like? And all of a sudden your average age there is, what, 24? That's that's a decade younger. That's more enthusiasm. That's more speed. You might be losing some grit and toughness, but if you want to remodel a line, your fourth line, you want to play with pace, you want to play with enthusiasm, you want to play with some creativity and still some skill, mm-hmm. that fourth line to me is very interesting. And again, younger, younger, younger across the board on that line. Coronado is an interesting one for me, particularly after seeing him at the World Championship because I think the expectation, you're right, for him should be he played a top nine role. There. Played against men there, and, and, and I'll preface it, and before anybody texts in, I don't know if it wasn't guys, the greatest I, rosters. No, I wasn't going to say that I was I there don't live know, in I don't person. know if you know Flames I didn't Talk say that. Faithful, but Aaron Vickers was at the World Championship. Didn't say that. That was you. That's not even where I was going. I was just going to suggest that the rosters there weren't as deep necessarily, you giggly bleep. Even bleep sounded mean there. It wasn't meant to be that mean. I didn't take The it. roster talent wasn't necessarily as high at the World Championship as we've seen in past years, but... Matt Coronado as a center, and I don't think he's going to pencil in as a center on this lineup, but as a center, skated a regular shift and, and performed quite well for Team USA at that tournament. And to me, that elevated him in my eyes in terms of, okay, you're coming right out of school, you've played one NHL game, but you have that world's experience and you showed really well. He's going to be a legit candidate, in my mind, to push for a top nine spot, and that's actually where I have him is on the third line right wing sort of insulated by Backlund and well, Coleman. It's funny. So uh, over at sportsnet.ca, uh, the uh, latest Flames mailbag is up there as well. Took about uh, seven or eight Twitter questions and that just got posted on this Wednesday, uh, Thursday rather, over at sportsnet.ca. Um, and, and one of the questions was kind of about constructing lines and that's kind of the way that we can wrap this conversation up. Even this text comes in Says, does anyone know why Huberdo didn't play a lot with Lindholm? Seems stupid to not put your best left winger with your best center. That comes from Kevin C. in Red Deer. And so somebody asked a similar question mm-hmm. on the mailbag over at sportsnet.ca, and it kind of plays into this conversation about where certain players fit. Let's take Hanzek out for a second. Okay. Um, let's just, you know, and, and he'd be a really interesting guy to have a conversation about if you were to push for a spot, but so let's say Lindholm's on the roster, which I think is a decent bet. Lindholm is part of your opening day roster. Okay, so Elias Lindholm's your number one center, whether he's signed or not beyond next right. year. He's your number one center on October 11th. Jonathan Huberto is your number one left winger. 
I think to Kevin C's point on the text line, I don't think they gave it enough time last year with Lindholm and Huberdeau together. Uh, they broke it up too early. Oh, sorry. I don't think they broke it up too early. I just, they never went, went back, back to it. it. And I would have liked to see them go back to it at some point last year. And that never really happened. So I think your best center and your most gifted left winger, there is just, there's a real, there's plenty of reason to give that a try again. Absolutely. And so obviously Huberdeau will be on the left. <laughs> Are you sure? Obviously. Yes. For me, there's okay. The, the, the Jonathan does not want to play the right. I don't know why the Flames would try like to on, force on day one of again. training camp. Would you just prank him and put him on the right side no, just I to see not. how he reacts? I would no? not. You know what? I not a good tone center. I wouldn't even risk it. Okay. It's too dark a joke. Uh, and so that would. Okay. So now I'm thinking Lindholm in the middle, Huberdo on the left. Who's on the right? Well, for me, I love Sharon Govich on his off wing there for for a number of different reasons. First of all, he's played his off wing before. He can play both sides. He can play the middle too. If he you also really played down to, the but, middle. But you're right; he can play either wing. He's a left shot, but he's played his off wing before. He has a great shot offensively. Maybe his best attribute is his shot. So now you're talking about Huberdo, the team's best puck distributor, with. Sharon Govich on the right, who has got a great shot. We know that Lindholm's got a great outside shot. And now you're talking about Sharon Govich on his off wing with a more direct path to the net in the offensive zone. And all of a sudden, now Huberdo is feeding passes on the tape. And there's that extra eight inches or whatever it is, or one foot of extra path towards the net for Sharon Govich because he's not having to take pucks off the boards. Now he's got on his left side, he's pointed a little bit more towards the goalie. I just really like that idea of Sharon Govich and his shooting opportunities on the off wing, specifically with Huberto as his, uh, as his line mate. Am I misremembering or am I making something up? Didn't Huberto say at one point he prefers yes, a left shot right, right winger? Or, or what he said was, if, if I'm remembering correctly, and if we're remembering the same thing in training camp, he said he'd never played. He can't remember ever playing with, with two a, right shots on his line. I thought at one point, and, I don't and know he if may was, have as well. Yeah, be, just because. And when you go back to Florida, his center was Bennett, and his right winger was Duclair, both left shots. Yeah. So when he came to Calgary, was Huberto as a center a right shot, and Tyler Toffoli a right shot as his right winger? I mean, Lindholm is a or, center. Yeah, Lindholm is a center. Yeah. Pardon me. Um, and I'm sure somewhere in there, or I might be making it up, or it might have been a conversation that just happened in my head. But I thought at one point he maybe he was just detailing what he appreciated about a left shot right wing. But so I'm on the same page as you because I've literally written this down pre-show how I would do uh, Calgary's lineup, and I have Huberto, Lindholm, Sharon Govich together as the top line. Okay, so here's where we can relate it back to talking about young players. Yes. So now you're talking about Nazem Kadri as maybe your number two center because I. I am 100% on board with Backland, Coleman, Manjapani as a line. Okay. Feed that to me all day. All right. Um, so now, Kadri, Dubé, Coronado. I mean, we're not, a, we're not stretching this. I went back to Dubé, Kadri, Manjapani because I really liked yep, that thought well. in training camp yep. last year. They played well together. And more so because I want Michael Backland insulating Matt Coronado. That's fair. Whenever you've put a kid with Michael Backlund, that kid has just grown and flourished blossomed, sure. flourished into quite a player. I now, the only issue I, I have with that, with that is I also do actually prefer Blake Coleman on the right side, but I'm not about to play Matt Coronado on his off wing and, and Blake Coleman on his off wing. So my third, I have Dubé, Kadri, Mangiapane as the two, and then Coleman on left, Backlund down the middle, Coronado on right. I just, the reason I have Coronado 
in what I guess would be the top six would be they don't have a right shot scoring right winger. And playing him with Kadri and Dubé in what would be, I think, more of an offensively oriented line, I think that puts him in a really good spot to succeed because Backlund, Manjapani, Coleman will just take on all the heavy hitters and, and Lindholm's line will be the top line. Backlund's line will be the matchup line. And you know the type of responsibility Backlund, Coleman, and Manjapani are capable of taking on. So now all of a sudden, it goes back to what we were raving about a year ago about the center ice depth the Flames right. might have and the matchup advantages they might have. Now, all of a sudden, Coronado, who is the only right shot on the roster, at least only right shot, Winger. right wing scoring threat on the roster. No offense uh, to Walker That's a lot of qualifiers Dewar. there, but I understand what you're saying. Well, they got, what, three right shots? Three total. Dewar, Lindholm, and Coronado. Yes. Lindholm's a center. Dewar's a bottom six guy. And, and a really effective bottom six guy, we think. And then there leaves Coronado. I just think that there'd be a really good opportunity for him uh, on the uh, on the right side of a scoring-oriented line. Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to fight you too hard on that one. Like, I, I understand the logic. I understand where you're coming from. You're right. If you have a pure shutdown line in Mangiapane, Backlund, Coleman, it actually frees up Dubé, Kadri, Coronado a little bit to get away from some of the heftier matchups or even maybe the top line. But just there's something about Michael Backlund and a kid that... The development curve is sharp. He's protected. He's insulated. And having Coleman there as well might give Coronado a little bit of more leeway to be a little bit more offensive. But like even at the World Championship, Coronado had PK duties. He played both sides of special teams. He played down the middle. He's very well aware of the defensive responsibility. So I'm not even really concerned about that element. But I would just be curious if Backlund can elevate another young player into a mainstay on the roster. A few texts as uh, we continue the conversation. This says, please no ex- more excuses why Huberto sucked last year that he didn't get a longer shot with Lindholm. I don't think that's what we said. I mean, I would more well, preface said it with it, him being on the right side than longer with all, Lindholm. All we said was that he didn't play. A, he, I would have liked to see more with Lindholm. Not that's the reason why he struggled. So No, I agree. Stop projecting. Uh, this says, uh, I'm just kidding. I predict Pelche plays top six. He's too fast, too skilled. Saw him a few times with the Wranglers last year. He's dynamic. He should thrive with the old coach gone. That would be awesome. And finally, Daryl writes, uh, Aaron, what, uh, when does man strength come? I'm late thirties and still waiting. So well, I mean, Darryl's... I'm early forties and still waiting as well, but I mean, there's something to be said about actually going to the gym and trying to build it. Right. And I sure. haven't done that. You have look at those things. I think you have to carry like a little certificate in your wallet that Uh those are registered weapons. Okay. That's a good place to read this. He's Aaron Vickers. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Pat Steinberg. Text line open at 960-960. Brent Cron in just a couple of seconds. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Talking your team right now. Flames Talk is on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Happy Thursday. We roll on from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Steinberg, Vickers, and uh, we lassoed Cron in. No, he actually had this set up. I texted him earlier this week. I have not spoken to Brent Cron in person in far too long. And here he is. Uh, our goaltending analyst and friend of Flames Talk. <laughs> yes. Brent Cron. What's up, Croner? Close friend. Close friend of Flames Talk. Yeah. Yeah. First friend. First friend. Of Flamestock. And of my Flamestock. personal hero. He came in with me the other day when I was uh, flying solo. He really yep. bailed me out there. And we, we organized two-car parade, two, two parade 
between you and I. <laughs> two two par parade. Uh, we had a good. That's time. why we're in radio. Yeah, exactly. Words don't matter. Exactly right. Just a face. Uh, what's going on? What's happening in the Croner's world? You know, I've been I've been uh, out of touch. I've been uh, out of town. Don't worry, you haven't missed anything. Yeah, and I've noticed that too. I haven't had cell reception in a few places, and I've come back to absolutely no pertinent I information whatsoever. I barely used my phone for four straight weeks when I was off. Uh, I was in. Uh, I was overseas for. Wait, did you go to Europe? Weeks of that, and uh, I. But I didn't go to the World Championship. Okay. Um. And and came back and nothing has changed. How awesome is it not to have your phone for the first couple of days? It's a oh, bit it's, of a. It's great. It's it's strenuous because you think you're missing something, then after a while you don't care about what you're missing. That is exactly. And then it's it. gone, and it's like, what was I even stressed about beforehand? Well, I should just be more relaxed when I'm at work. It's not that big of a deal. And you get back two days in, you're like, you're back to hair on fire. Well, whatever you have up there. Uh, <laughs> Heating up. Me, yeah. me, not him. He's still got some left. <laughs> yeah, holding on. No, you know what? And I, I, I will show pictures to anybody. This thing has been high, ab- like yeah. high I've, had a five, I've had a five head my entire life. Yeah. So this thing hasn't moved. Your hair has been running away from your face for your whole life, yeah, and, it ha- and it hasn't moved apparently. Five head. Good for you. More than a forehead. Yeah, you haven't changed a day. Nope. Uh, I've been doing a little camping. Um, and, now, and, when you say camping, are you talking like tent and open fire, or are you talking glamping, where you've got like an RV and... tent trailer? Okay, and so it's not really glamping at all. No, nope. it's actually there are a lot more work setting up than they're worth. Uh, I camped in one when I was a kid. My old man uh, cheaped out and bought the most useless tent trailer I've ever been affiliated with in my entire life. And we were in Kenora, Ontario, and I think I was eleven or twelve years old. And the you know when you got to pull out the beds. Yep. And it's like that canvas that's gonna kind of stretchy and it's got the elastic at the bottom and you, it was so stretched out I woke up on the ground one morning. I fell out. <laughs> and that was <laughs> you didn't wake up in the middle of the night when you fell? No, I of course when I hit the okay, ground okay. I, when I hit the ground I woke up. It was raining outside too. And I couldn't believe it. And all I did was I think it was the first time I cursed, like where I actually meant it not to be cool. But I'm like, this is useless, right? Yeah. So uh the fun part about going camping is there's people that do it and, and I if you got a monster camper that's awesome because it's probably a lot more fun in a bathroom that's inside so you don't have to walk outside and a shower and a shower and a tv and a recliner and basically you're towing massage your house seats pretty much right yep. you can, whatever you want to do they, they got it the fun part is is watching uh, uh couples uh <laughs> when when they back trailers into the campsites right where you could just basically set up prop bets non-stop and listen to the amount of chirping and frustration between the yep. the man and the woman Trying to figure out where the trailer's supposed to go because the guy's driving the, the 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 woman more often than not is is guiding where the trailer goes or vice versa and yelling at the top of their lungs and you just hear all these things and we just sit by the you know on the picnic table just like hey just kids if you just want to stop playing whatever it is you catch your badminton on the site and just sit down and watch uh, potential divorce or 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 some type of uh, altercation transpire between two individuals that have been together for for a while. This is where you just sit here and watch, and you never backing up a trailer is never never fun. No, nope. um, but the big ones are are hilarious. And then when you have a tight spot to get into, uh, it's a real test of uh, communication and patience. And usually, none of them are displayed in that short period of time. And you can see the kids off to the side, you know, just distracting themselves while mom and dad basically get into an all out brawl of, I can do this better than you can. Come camping, it'll be fun. Yeah, they say. They say. Yeah. Um. The 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 goaltending conversation for the Flames is exactly the same on August seventeenth as it was on July seventeenth or June seventeenth. Um, it's still Vladar, it's still Markstrom, and it's still Dustin Wolf. I, I don't know if they're going to be able to make a move before the start of training camp. They as much as 
a lot of people don't think it's ideal to go into the season with three guys like that on the roster. I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to avoid it at this point. Well, but, it's, but that's not a tragedy though. Like I want to see Wolf on the Flames next season at the start of the year. I want to see that, but they don't have to do it mm-hmm. when I want it, to, or they don't have to do it right away. They they got a they they got a hand right now where they're in the driver's seat. Yes, Dustin Wolf has succeeded the last four years, especially. Um, and you want to see that progression happen, and you don't want to discourage him. But having said that, there's also a process to doing things. And right now, you're in a situation where you got Markstrom, who's a starter. You got Vladar, who's a one-way contract, and you're not just going to get rid of him on hopes that you're going to give Wolf some more time. It, 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 somebody could get injured at training camp too, right? There's there's plenty of things that can play out here yet. So just because we want to see something happen, it makes no sense to make a deal for the sake of making a deal because you want to give Wolf every opportunity. It may come down to you know, end of October or, 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 you know, and they might go back and forth and, and you just, I, I would be in no rush because I'm sure every team in the league too wants to offer junk for, for Vladar because the mm-hmm. Flames are in a position where, yep. you know, they want to get rid of him, not get rid of him, but they want to move him on to bring in Wolf. I mean, that's, I think that's fairly obvious, but you're not going to do that at the cost of, well, you know, we're going to take nothing for him and give Wolf a chance. And if that doesn't work out or early on, there's some, there's going to be some struggles along the way too. He played one game at the end of the season last year, or Wolf played one game at the end of the season last year. That didn't matter. Right. And he's been the best goaltender in the American league for the last two years. So the, the, the jump from the American league to the NHL is a big jump. I think Dustin Wolf is more than capable. He deserves an opportunity, but there is going to be some shortcomings. And if Mark some trips over himself this season at the start, like he did last year, you're going to need somebody to come in and be able to play games. And uh, if you start, if you have Ladar and Wolf to kind of choose from too, you know, hey, so be it. But there's there's no rush in the Flames end. The um, the idea, and I want to I want to get your thoughts on this because okay, let's just say that Dustin has to start in the American League, and he starts with the Wranglers again. Gets a long look in training camp, but this like roster wise, you're waiver exempt. Just for now, we need to start you in the AHL. Could be frustrating for him. I, I would imagine it would be frustrating in some ways. What's the best way for him, like knowing you've been in similar circumstances before in, in your career, like what's the best way for him to approach that or handle that to make sure that the, the frustration doesn't get the better of him? Well, you know what? It, it's unfortunate right now, if he even has a tremendous training camp, he's still not in the driver's seat. The Flames know the type of goaltender he's been in junior in the American Hockey League. And it's a, it's contractual, it's business, so... He's got to get it into his mind that nothing is going to affect him. He he can't let the outside change how things. He's not he's not in the driver's seat, right? There's there's uh, going to be a chance where he starts the season in the American Hockey League. That's going to suck for him because he's he's progressed so fast. He's been hitting home runs for the last four years, and he's just used to that that trajectory of just top of the mountain, top of the mountain, top of the mountain. If he has to start in the American Hockey League this season, I don't think he'll have a tough time with it. I mean, okay. yes, internally. He's competitive. He wants. Who doesn't want to be in the National Hockey League? But I remember going to Flames training camps with a guy that I'm not sure if you guys know him, but Mika Kiprasov, where mm. you go there every time and you you knew you were going to the minors. They, they just before a training camp even started. I had some of my best training camps because I knew I was going to the minors, so it didn't play a little loose. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? Like they they have the backup, and they Kip didn't get injured, and he played 76 games a year, and so it's like, this is the way it is, and if Kiprasov gets injured, you know, the backup's going to go in a couple times, be ready in the American League, but that never really transpired, so you have your number one guy, and I mean, Kip was a bona fide number one, and, and you know, Markstrom has, is a number one guy, but it's not in that echelon right. as Kiprasov, right? So Few are. Very few are, and so now you're in a position where you got three guys, 
And hopefully Dustin Wolf can emerge as the Flames' new number one backbone for, for years to come. But the way it stands today, he could very likely start in the American Hockey League uh, competitively from an ego-based position. That's tough to swallow. But he's got to be prepared for the fact that, yes, I'm going to go down there. And you can't have a bad attitude either. And it's, it's hard not to. You know, when, you're, when you've had a taste, when you get up there and you get to see your paycheck and your, and your bank account and you get to, you know, the bright lights and the big arena and the, all the accolades that come along with it, it's hard to go back to the American League where nobody cares, right, about you essentially. They do, but it's the American Hockey League. So he's going to have to have that in the back of his mind. He's not going into training camps saying, oh, I'm going to the minors, but I'm going to go out there and have the best yep. training camp and uh, leave it up to the Flames and make the decision very hard on them. I'm not going to ask this about Wolf specifically because I don't think he spent enough time in the minors for this situation to occur. But is there potential for a goaltender to over-ripen in the AHL? Spend too much time down there? Yes. You can get sour down there. You can. You never lose your ability to stop the puck. Just psychologically, you lose the desire to be down there consistently, right? And he's, he's how old? He's 22? 22, yeah. Yeah, like, that's the thing. It's You're young. You're very young, right? And and many organizations have been guilty of bringing guys along way too soon because they've had no choice, right? I mean, you look at Devin Dubnik in Edmonton. He was good, but they were on a he was on a bad team and they needed a goalie and he wasn't. Carter Hart even. Carter Hart, right? Another one. Um, and so you sit there and it's like, well, you know, it, it's going to work itself out one way or the other. But going into the American, you know, he's at a point now where he feels like he's accomplished all he can aside from winning a Calder Cup trophy in the American Hockey League. He's won every piece of... MVP, back-to-back goalies right. of the year. Another award on top of that, the President's, President's? President's, uh, President's Award, or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah. Right, so, I mean, the, the guy is, is, is uh, everybody knows who he is, what he means to the organization. But just because of the position that he's in right now and the, where the Flames are, that doesn't necessarily translate, okay, well, here's your job for the Calgary Flames next season, right? And then there's, there's been a lot of guys over the years that have been in that very same spot. And it's the guys that can weather that storm psychologically i think he's very more he's more than capable of doing it he seems yep. like a pretty level-headed humble guy and obviously he's gonna in the media he's gonna say well you know i'm gonna go out there work hard and give her the old 110 percent and that whatever other bucks in deep bucks in deep right? you, for you, just, just, you know what you, it's the same analogy people would understand if you said it yeah but they look at you kind of weird <laughs> but but uh but at the end of the day it's, it's just you know it's it's part of being professional sports just because it should work out and everything lines up this way and this is how it's supposed to work out it doesn't necessarily work out and so he's gonna have to if that's the case he's gonna have to roll with the punches what about uh, brent crons with us in studio here this hour of flames talk what about what about from a flame standpoint is because i i'm with you i don't think dustin's the type of guy that if he has to start in the american league is is going to get all up in his head or be a bad teammate or or anything like that um but what what can the Flames do to make it so that they mitigate any of that themselves? Is there anything that the organization can do to make it feel like, yes, you're starting in the American League, but the plan, we, we are still very much keeping you in our long-term plans and a big part of the long-term Yeah, plans. which is transparency, right? But once again, that's not always how it goes either, right? You can have the best intentions. You can talk to guys. Um, I remember scouting staff and management coming down when I played, and this is the plan, and this is where you wanted to, this is where we see you, and we're going to do this. And you, you can't listen to any of that stuff, as nice as it sounds. You, you, you kind of have to believe in yourself. That's a hard thing to do, especially being a, a young athlete, goaltender in particular. You got to believe in yourself. And so when you get sent down, it, it, it knocks you down a peg or two. And you can either go one of two ways where you dig in and bet on yourself and keep pushing forward, or you can let it uh, eat away at you a little bit. And you know, a, 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 a hurdle for, for, for Dustin Wolf too, of being sent down potentially 
Um, it's not it's not what you want to see because you want to keep that momentum going. But you know, a little obstacle too, and, and he can prove to say, hey, you know what, I am I'm gonna see this through to the end, and I'm gonna fight my way through it. And it's not a big obstacle, but in the long term, you can't really tell a player this is what the plan is because it changes. We all know that it changes, right? It's like, well, we think you're fantastic. I remember after I got drafted, sitting down with the scouting staff with the Flames, and this is what you're going to do, and you're going to play another couple years with the Hitman, and you're not going to play your overage year, and you go to the minors, and you're going to do this for two or three years, and you come back, and this is kind of your succession plan. Well, I blew my knees out three times, and so that just screwed yeah. everything up, right? And then you're in a certain spot, and they then they trade for a guy, and and then all of a sudden this guy's one of the best goaltenders. Okay, so that changes everything, right? So you, so things change day to day, and you can't get caught up. You know, like you just got to worry about yourself. You got to be selfish. But the biggest thing, too, is you got to be a good teammate. And you can't let that, the negative experiences that transpire are out of your control. And you can't take them out on your teammates. Your, your attitude is a big, big thing. Work ethic, obviously. And uh, it's so hard because I've been in the doldrums, too, where you're stuck down there. And you're like, oh, this just, what's going on? And you, you know, I mean, and, and for myself, playing against guys like Corey Crawford and Pekka Rene and, you know, they're going up, you're playing with Cam Ward and they're getting up and they're going to play, they're getting their opportunities. And, and you just see all that, and you start to compare yourself amongst your peers, and you're like, well, I'm, in your mind, like, well, I'm as good as them, or I beat them in the other game, and why are they? It, there's a lot more to it than just, it's timing and opportunity, and, yeah. you know, uh, uh, Dustin Wolf has obviously displayed a tremendous amount of skill, and and now he's got to wait for his, he's on the right path, he's just got to be patient and, and let things work themselves out, because the talent's there. It's the opportunity now, and once he gets it, can he take advantage of it? We've talked a lot about spot starting him and finding ways to get him NHL games because he certainly needs that to continue that development. He's he's shown what he can do in the AHL and playing AHL games is is fine, but to take that next step and to learn more and more, he's got to play NHL games. Why is it that three goalies on the same team suck so bad? Psychologically, because you know who the starter is, right? Markstrom's going to be the starter. And then you and Vladar got to fight it out in the net during the regular practice. Markstrom gets to leave and then you get bag skated afterward. And no matter what level you're at, three goalies on the ice, there's, you're, you're, you don't get into a rhythm, you don't get into a groove, and it creates an internal competition, which is healthy, but to a certain degree. And, and there's, there's, right. there, there's, there's two goalie spots open, a starter and a backup, or in today's NHL, 1A, 1B usually. There's very few guys that can play. There's very few Vasilevskis out there, right? Um, so you have a third guy in there now, and it just kind of screws up the dynamic. It, it, it really does. Uh, I always hated it. Training camp, you, you got used to it because there were six goalies coming in or whatever. You learn to play through it but three the dynamics gone the rhythm's gone the flow's gone you kind of you you, you all get along because you kind of don't want to show any outward crack or intimidation or whatever but on the ice it just sucks you, you go in for 10 shots then you got to go talk to the goalie coach in the corner and evaluate like shut up you know let me stop <laughs> the puck like you know and then you, you oh well you know on that one here okay well we're practicing right now get out of my way but you can't get that rhythm or a guy burns you in practice and you want to get back at him, but you're not in rotation to it just, there's so many things. And I mean, that's just my philosophy on it. But I think you ask any goalie if they like three goalies on the ice during the season and they'll all kind of give you the old sharp, uh, comeback real quickly that it's, it's a, it sucks. It unless somebody's injured and he's coming back on the ice, that's different. But if there's three viable goaltenders fighting for space, it's, it's not a recipe for success. The, uh, well, and I mean, so the way when, when you've got three permanently, the number one guy who he takes all the shots and then the other net's getting rotated, right? For sure. And like, I think talking to even skaters are like, they hate that. Oh, for sure. Cause you're, you're, you're shooting on one guy and you know, his tendon, it's like, it just, it ruins the rhythm for everybody when you've got, and the one guy's hanging out in the corner. Well, you've got one forward coming in, shooting at an empty net as the exchange. I know. And so it's so minor hockey. 
in an, in an NHL level. Like I was the third goalie for the Flames in 2004 playoffs, and I didn't take a single shot ever until Kiprasov took his three or four shots. And he would give me the nod. I'm like, oh, this is great, you know. <laughs> you know but I'd stand off to the corner and wouldn't. Yep. I wouldn't. I wasn't. No, when I, you I, got, but it. he would leave yeah. the ice, wouldn't he? Well, after he was, those oh, four he was, shots, well, he was yeah. gone. Like he wasn't doing any. If he needed extra work, he was getting it one on one, and the rest of us were just. When he's done, we'll 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 go back out. When you like, because I remember one time Rob Kerr told this story. I didn't see it, so I'm I'm just replaying Rob Kerr's story. But Rob once told a story about Dion coming in at a morning skater of practice and just blasting one uh, sweet chin music on Kiprasov, and Kipper like had to move. Puck went in, but it like went bar down at 105. He's like, "What are you doing?" And Kipper just glared at him and skated off. Yeah, he's uh, <laughs> like, "What are you doing?" It's practice. But then when you got in, they all did that. Oh, but that's the thing, <laughs> and they would lick their chops because they wouldn't care. You know, the puck would hit a rut and jump up, and there'd be a knuckle puck coming at my face. But and, fortunately, and, and like, oh, oh, that's a tough Sorry, one. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, ah. you're six three or six four, right. so those bar down ones are hitting you in the shoulder. Oh, but, oh man, you know, and then they would work on backdoor one timers, <laughs> you know, and it's like you know, that, yeah. Kr- Christoph Oliwa would come up to me after practice. He'd be like, "Hey, I'm going to work on backdoor one timers," and I'm like. That's the dumbest oh, thing I've ever heard. So, sick. like, it just all stands You're never going to get there. Yeah, and, and there's no movement, <laughs> and it's all... practicing that? It, seriously, and that's what I felt like saying, but I couldn't because I was 21. And I'm just sitting there getting all the you-know-what kind of work, and it's, you know, I remember even Jimmy Playfair one time, he, made, he basically used me as a pylon for, for, the, for, the, for the defenseman <laughs> to get the puck high and hard off the glass. So they would pick the puck up behind the net, and then they would just wire it over my head to get it out, to just say, hey, you're... You got to shoot it high. You can't shoot it at kind of waist height. And I remember just getting belted in the shoulder, in the face, and the guys are laughing. I'm like, "This is the dumbest drill ever." And I'm looking at play for it. it's a like, good job. I'm like, "Good job for what?" <laughs> like I'm standing on the boards doing nothing, right? And and you're just that guy. I mean, but I was a black ace. I had no hope of playing unless you know Kippersoft lost his leg, and you know, like basically, right? You know, mm-hmm. that's just how it worked. So I'd be out there and. Guys all knew it, so it was just, you know, Oleg Saprikin and his one-timers in the top of the circle, everything at your face. And it's like, oh, you ready for another one? I'm like, let me just put my tooth that you knocked out back in. Even though I'm wearing a mask, the screw is actually indented in my forehead right now. Let me get that switched out for you, right? Like, it's just, you know, I mean, and, and I and at the time, I was in the NHL. So I'm not, I, that's the funny stories now, but I could care less. But, you know, you do it to a starter. You do it to a kipper. I mean, uh, Roman Turk was off the ice like that. Like, he was, I'm not putting up with any of this crap. And I'm like, nor should you. Yeah. I'll I'll do it, but the, the my mask I had a white mask because I played on so many teams that season. So that was like a couple teams in the well, one team in the Did East it Coast. It looks like one of those college football helmets oh. with all the decals on it, but there's <laughs> marks. I actually ended up using red tape as a target on my head just because <laughs> I would just get smoked off my my face all the time, and the and the the, the, the metal was dented and chipped. And uh, yeah, no, I wore it as a as a badge of ears ring snaps broken, and the guys are just kind of smiling at you like, what, are you gonna do anything about it? Probably not, because you're young and 21 years old. And so okay, this is, yeah. This is why this is why three goaltenders suck. Oh, for sure, because uh, somebody gets it right in the pills, right? And that's just how it works. And, and the backup goaltender gets it a little bit, but he's got a choice because Turek had been around forever. Yeah, he's a veteran. Yeah, but if you got two kind of younger guys fighting it out, you 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 develop a, a camaraderie. Because you know who's starting most of the games, right? Yep. So you're just kind of waiting for your scraps. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate you having me. Uh, Brent Cron is on Twitter at bcron <laughs> I haven't been on there. No, I don't know why. <laughs> Forever. Like, but it, he is if you want to yeah. follow him. I put on uh, some uh, Winkler sausage on there the other time, and it didn't really get much back. Okay. Are, we, are we finding you on threads yet? 
What, what is? I don't even know what threads are. Okay. What? what um, yeah. that, that we don't even. I don't. I don't know what it is still. So I. We don't they don't know what it is. So. Uh, Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. Cam Taylor, our producers this hour. That'll do it for the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Did you know Calgary Lock and Safe also fixes doors? If you have one that needs it, visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com/doors.